and then just kind of, you know, kaleidoscope of sky and, and ice and snow and ropes and tools and, and boots and just kind of clanging and bashing my way down, down all the ice that just come up. Welcome back. I'm Ashley Sappy, your hostess for The Sharp End. This podcast is brought to you by the American Alpine Club and sponsored by Mammut. Designed and developed in the Swiss Alps, Mammut has been making the finest equipment since 1862. Driven by a continuous quest for innovation, Mammut's technical clothing, footwear, climbing gear, avalanche safety, and alpine equipment are distinguished by the highest quality, functionality, and safety. They embody Swiss technology and perfection. Mammut, absolute alpine. And there's more big news for my show. Vertical Medicine Resources has decided to be another contributing sponsor of The Sharp End. Vertical Medicine Resources is an innovative climbing medicine company. They recently came out with a new book titled Vertical Aid, Essential Wilderness Medicine for Climbers, Trekkers, and Mountaineers. Check it out. Today I talk with an ice climber about a recent trip he went out on. Welcome to the show. Go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, my name is Rafael Andronovsky. Most people just call me Raf, and I'm a climber and photographer from Canmore, Alberta. Started ice climbing uh, about, what, seven seven years ago? Seven years ago, I think. Um, yeah, it's just been kind of what I do most winters. Uh, yeah, I mean, the Canadian Rockies just have so much ice, uh, you know, just everywhere within a short, short distance. You have giant multi-pitch routes to sort of lots of short cragging spots and you know some of the best biggest hardest dry tooling in the world um and you know endless mountains so in the, even in the middle of summer you can go kind of ice climbing on a glacier or on a high peak or something like that um yeah most amazing place to live by far nice and and we've got you on the show today because you actually recently had an incident while climbing uh, a nice climbing route. Why don't you go ahead and tell us about that? Um, well, so I was just sort of back from Christmas with family and stuff. So, you know, I just kind of back home and I was supposed to go ice climbing with my friend, Jeff, um, who actually taught me how to climb pretty much seven years ago. Cause he was a, he's the guy that took me out climbing the first time. Um, so, you know, we've been climbing together for, for a long time. We've been climbing lots. Um, you know, we've, climb some of my definitely my difficult ice together um and you know this time instead of wanting to you know kind of climb something by moonlight or you know do some massive approach we just kind of want to have like a nice mellow day out um so yeah that's why we kind of picked field and after looking at avalanche conditions and sort of taking a look at the routes through binoculars from across the road we decided that uh, carlsberg looked pretty good and you know we've both climbed it probably a dozen times each at least uh, so, you know, well-known route, pretty common, common for us to do. And yeah, it looked in good shape. So we thought we'd kind of give it a go. What was the route name? Uh, Carlsberg column. Um, so it's one of the routes in field, uh, they're called beer climbs because they're all named after, uh, some kind of beer. So you've got like Guinness gully, um, Carlsberg column, uh, 
Pilsner Pillar, uh, <laughs> corner cascade. Um, so <laughs> yeah, obviously the first ascensionists had a sense of humor. Um, so yeah, there's this whole section of these climbs there, um, that all kind of, they're all called the beer route. So Carlsberg column is sort of the middle grade. One of those it's a, uh, it's about a five, five plus. Sometimes it's like a very hooked out four. um, you know, with ice climbing, you kind of see what you get depending on the season and how things change. Um, this year it looked like it hadn't been done too many times yet. Like it wasn't super hooked out. So we were kind of hoping it'd be kind of like, you know, a nice easy five. Um, yeah, I think that's about it. Uh, the route starts as, uh, as sort of like you can get to it via the approach ice. Um, so there's kind of like a short strip of approach ice to climb. Or uh, you can climb, or not rather climb, you can go around on the walk around. And then after your, after the approach ice, which is, I don't know, a little bit of kind of like maybe grade four for about like eight to ten meters, like it's a steep little section and then it kind of rambles around. Uh, it's a whole bunch of kind of like, you know, grade two, maybe grade three steps with a bunch of snow slopes and all that kind of stuff in it. So Carlsberg proper is about a 55, 60 meter column of uh, usually grade five ice, uh, super fun route for the grade. Um, I don't know. I just started racking up. Uh, it was my first time ice climbing this season. Um, I'd been training lots and sort of dry tooling in the gym and just kind of getting ready for competitions, uh, I don't know, URA and the World Cups in, uh, in Europe. Um, so I've been spending a lot of time dry tooling and mixed climbing and gym climbing and not so much time ice climbing. Um, so I wanted to just kind of see how it went, and I figured, you know what, I'll take this first little bit, and if I'm feeling off, then Jeff can lead it. Um, he's been climbing for probably a decade more than I have. Um, and so I figured, you know what, he's got way more experience. He's already been out ice climbing lots this season. So if I'm feeling iffy, he can go and then, yeah, started climbing and, you know, everything felt good. Um, the initial steep bit was a little slightly chandeliered, but you know, not too bad. Uh, had little bits of water running in it, but just beautiful sticks, you know, just burning like half a pick or even like you could get the whole pick in just up to the head, just super, super solid, really nice feet, just you know, good flow. <laughs> it was nice to be ice climbing. Oh, that's like, awesome. You know, that that's the it's just that state of just, you know, swing and kick, kick and swing and kick, kick. It's it's just such a good flow. Um yeah, it just felt so good. Um so yeah, basically kinda more or less soloed that initial vertical bit, um, put a screw in at the top just before clearing the bulge. And that's where the ice kind of gets rambly. Um what do you mean rambly? It's just kind of that lower angle flow of sort of like grade two with like maybe the odd grade three step. You're sort of like looking around for feet a little bit more. Um, you know, your sticks are a bit more careful because the ice isn't just right there, nice kind of in your face. It, it, it's at odd angles. Um, it dinner plates much more easily. You know, there's, there's way more fractures on it. There's the odd snow slope. Um, there's like rocks sticking out of it here and there. You know, it's just not it's not like pleasant, pleasant ice climbing, right? It's just kind of, it's the chore you have to get through before you kind of get to the good stuff. Um, so yeah, but you know, it, I've climbed lots and I mean, I'm quite certain I've soloed the approach ice at least two or three times 
you know, in the years past. Um, pretty sure I've actually also soloed the Carlsberg. So, you know, like it's like I've done this stuff so many times. It's not, not something I guess you always think about, but you know, this being my first time back on ice, I was definitely, or back on ice this season, I was definitely more cognizant of the fact that, you know, I wasn't as in tune with everything as I usually am. So I was placing more gear than I normally would. Um, and I, I don't place a lot of gear. So, you know, those two screws were actually <laughs> quite a lot of gear for me for that section <laughs> of ice. Um, but yeah, anyway, so then I went up a little bit more. Um, and after the initial, uh, the initial screw after the vertical section, I found like a really, really nice chunk of like deep blue ice. Like, oh, it was just gorgeous. You know, like it, it stuck well, like tools just bit into it. Um, I put a nice solid screw in there and then just kind of continued up. And, you know, it, this, the other problem with this kind of stuff is you sort of, cover more ground than you're aware of um you know when you're climbing vertical ice you can just sort of like look down and be like wow that that screw is like really far below me you know or like you make like four or five moves and then you sort of you feel like you've maybe gained a fair bit of height whereas with this rambly kind of stuff you're just kind of moving and going and moving and going and before you know it your your you know last screw is like way below you um, like I'm pretty sure when, where I stopped to place the next screw, I don't think I could have seen, I could see the last one, you know, cause it's just, I don't know, it's easy climbing. It's, it's not too technical. It's just more, you know, pay attention and then make sure you've got good sticks kind of stuff. Um, yeah. So I, I basically stopped just towards the end of the approach ice before it becomes, uh, this little snow slope that gets you to the base of Carlsberg column proper. And I was, you know, just kind of making a, a good stance to put in, a, put in a screw for topping over the bulge. Um, you know, I don't know. You just never know, right? You always put in a screw below a bulge. And I'm still not quite sort of certain what happened um, based on um, what I heard about the ice. Because um, Jeff and a couple other friends went back the next day. And he said that the area where we suspect I fell, um, the ice was fracturing and dinner plating a lot deeper than anywhere else. Um, so what we're, we're suspecting happened is, um, is basically when I placed my left tool, it felt solid and it looked good. Um, but it actually fractured maybe like three or four inches underneath. So when I actually kind of put some force and body weight on it, it just kind of popped and, and let go. So yeah, you know, like I, so I had my left tool in and, and I, it seemed solid. I had pretty good feet. I was like in this little narrow V and basically I raised my right tool just to set it really good. I always like to have two really good tools before placing a screw. Um, just so I can sort of, you know, swap hands and not have to worry about putting, make sure my tools are good. I can just kind of swap hands as needed. Um, and as I lifted my right tool and kind of brought it back for the swing, my left tool just kind of went and I just kind of felt myself falling backwards. Uh, and then, yeah, I don't, I don't remember the impact. I don't know what it was like. 
it was all, it all went kind of quiet for a while. Um, and then just kind of, you know, kaleidoscope of sky and, and ice and snow and ropes and tools and, and boots and just kind of clanging and bashing my way down, down all the ice had just come up. Mm-hmm. Not an experience I, I would recommend. Uh, it's unique, definitely, but uh, the outcome's not the best. What what was the outcome? Um, so I ended up with a um, compound pilon fracture in my left ankle. Um, basically, it's just kind of shattered to pieces. Um, the surgeon, uh, Mark Hurd at the Banff uh, Hospital, that put it back together, um, kind of variously referred to the inside of my foot as like soup or like gelatin. Um, there wasn't much in the ankle to reconstruct. <laughs> um, so I smashed it up pretty good. And then my right foot has, uh, the calcaneus has, uh, fractured. Um, so it's not weight bearing for a few weeks, but it's not, you know, bandaged or anything else. It's just kind of going to heal itself. What part of the foot that's, is the calcaneus? That's the heel bone. Okay. Um, so I fractured that on the right foot and then, yeah, the left foot's just pretty mangled up. So it's got a couple plates in it now and a whole bunch of extra bone and, and something else and lots of screws trying to keep it all together and, uh, supposed to heal up relatively well. I guess we'll see how it looks in a few months. So you were saying earlier that you normally you normally place fewer screws on ice climbs. And at this point on the climb, you'd only placed two so far before you fell. Um, so are you thankful that you placed those two? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, it's actually one of those things like Jeff and I were, were talking about it afterwards and, you know, he's like, well, I guess it's a good thing we didn't solo it this time (laughs) because again, like, you know, we'd soloed this and, you know, half, half my thought in my mind too, was just like, you know, I'll just, I'll tie in, but we'll see how it goes. And, you know, I'll either put screws or I won't. Um, so I'm definitely glad I put those two screws in and, um, the upper one held the fall. So that's, that's quite something as well. Um, I'm glad that, you know, I read the ice properly and, and it did look as solid as I thought it was, that it was enough to hold my fall. What size screw was it that held your fall? That held your uh, fall. It was a um, one of the Petzl Laser Speeds uh, in a thirteen. Uh, it's one of the yellows, um, one of the steel versions. So, what would you have done differently then? What What are some lessons that came out of this for you and Jeff? Um, definitely place more screws, um, even sort of on easier ice where you might feel very comfortable. Um, my friend, Will, uh, Will Gad just posted sort of a, you know, do not fall on ice article on his blog. And, uh, sort of at, at some point, you know, he's just like, you know, I place the, the raft screw and the Mark screw and the Kevin screw. Um, and, you know, we're sort of all friends of his that had fallen on ice. Um, so the takeaway is, is to just place more screws basically. A little side note for the listeners here, you can find a link to Will Gad's blog post that Raf mentions here at the Sharp End website. Um, even if you maybe don't think you need it or, you know, you feel like you're comfortable enough that you're 
probably not going to fall. Uh, you know, it's kind of one of these things. It's low probability and very high consequence. So it seems like the reason why you fell wasn't so much your placements, Raf. It sounds like you had solid feet and you had solid tools and you have a lot of experience. So in this case, it, it was the ice, right? I mean, the ice, it broke on you. A big part of this is the condition and the quality of the ice that you were dealing with. So my question, I guess, is how do you get expert at being able to read the ice that you're climbing? Um. Reading the ice is just mileage, right? Like the the more you climb, the the better you're at it, and the better you feel, and and the better you can sort of tell, you know, what, how your tools react to it, what that means. Um, and you know, like I've only been climbing seven years, but I've climbed in quite a few places. You know, like mostly here in the Rockies, um, but I also climbed in Cody. I've climbed in. Bozeman, I've climbed in Utah, I've climbed in China. Um, so, you know, like I feel like I, I should have a pretty good grasp of what good ice is and, and how it feels. Um, and it definitely felt good to me. So, so again, that's, that's sort of the other hard part about sort of this fall is that I thought I did have good ice, you know, like if I thought I didn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have trusted my tools to it. Yeah, well, that's a great takeaway is even with all of your experience traveling around the world climbing ice um, and reading the ice, uh, it, it can break. It can break on even the, the most savvy of ice climbers. I don't know. The, my, my biggest takeaway is that it could have been so much worse. So as, as much as this kind of sucks and, you know, I can't walk for the next however many weeks and I'm sort of, you know, rolling around in my, uh, I have a friend, I borrowed his wheelchair. Uh, he's got several, so it's not like he's deprived. Um, you know, it, it could have been so much worse, and I can imagine how much worse it could have been as well. Because uh, you know, I I do sort of understand what the consequences could have been. Um, so I think the fact that you know I only broke my ankles is is quite amazing. Yeah, I'm glad that that's all that happened. Um, it could it sounds like it could have been way worse. So then what happened next? You know, again, like it all sort of happened so fast. I don't know if I dragged anything, if, you know, anything fell with me or, or what sort of happened. Um, all I know is I was kind of going and falling and, and then, you know, all of a sudden I kind of stopped and I looked down and I could immediately tell that my left ankle was sort of sitting around at an unnatural angle and it was kind of flopping around by itself without you know, me being able to control it. Um, so yeah, you know, like as, as soon as I stopped, I kind of did sort of the usual body check, you know, like eyes move, mouth works, head, head turns, and then kind of go for everything else, you know, fingers, hands, arms, uh, you know, body, core, leg, like, you know, nothing, there's nothing, there's no pain anywhere. Um, and then the only visible, visible problem was, was my, left ankle um because even at this point my right ankle seemed to be you know a little bit painful but overall quite okay um so i just got jeff to lower me down to the ground and sort of based on avalanche conditions and the amount of snow up there and the fact that there were no other climbers above us then we just kind of left me at the base of the of the route um because when you you know i was safe from any 
any ice or, or snow or anything else falling from above. Um, so yeah, we just kind of lowered me down there and I made a little seat out of my, my leader pack and took all the gear off my harness and stuffed it in there. So I had something to sit on. And then basically, yeah, we kind of called 911 and waited. So what's the response time like, um, from, from when you called to when you actually got rescued? Um, so the whole process of, from when we called 911 to when I arrived at the hospital, I think was just around four hours, something like that, I believe. Uh, and then, you know, the whole process of sort of loading me around and sticking me on the stretcher and getting me into the sling bag under the helicopter, like, you know, that's a whole different experience. Um, you know, I've flown in a lot of helicopters, but I've never been long lined out of anything. Um, especially when you're still, you know, quite conscious. Um, so that's, you know, not, there's probably better ways to have that experience, but it was definitely <laughs> interesting to have and, and something, um, you know, I'm not going to forget anytime soon, probably. And what have you been doing, uh, to occupy yourself post injury? Um, so I'm I'm not supposed to put any weight on my feet yet. Um, so other than kind of dragging them around on the floor, um, I haven't been doing anything too much with them, but I've got like a little workout station here. So I've been doing like pull-ups and dips and push-ups and, um, yeah, that's kind of been it. I've been, uh, like I'm a photographer, so I've been spending lots of time organizing my files and editing photos, um, getting everything done that is supposed to get done at some point anyway, but, you know, climbing kind of gets in the way of doing a lot of things. Um, you know, kind of making the best of it, I guess, and trying to get that upper body in shape, you know, try and get to that one arm pull up now that I've got the time and I can't use my legs. Uh, yeah, you know, <laughs> it's kind of fun. <laughs> There's a quote by Kurt Hahn who founded the Howard Bound School. He says, your disability is your opportunity. I like that. That's good. Um, no, you'll you'll have to send me that one. I uh, I like that. I'm going to stick that on my desktop. That's cool. Good. good. Do you have any final advice for our listeners? Um, be really mindful and aware of, of what you're doing. Um, but you know, sort of in light of all that, I, I think I was, <laughs> and and this still kind of happened. Um, so you know, maybe I guess yeah, I can in the face of adversity, sort of look for the positives and, you know, don't, don't look at sort of an accident as, as, you know, maybe like a, a disability or a disadvantage, but as a chance or an opportunity to work on, on other parts or other aspects of yourself or, or your life, make the best of it. Very well said. All right. So at the end of every podcast, I, I love to sort of recap and, and figure out what we can, how we can educate you, the listener, um, based on this lesson. So in this story, Roth agrees that he should have placed more screws. But even with all of his experience, he wasn't able to control the ice breaking. And he fell because the ice broke. So in reality, he can't do much to control that. But what he can do is control how he can respond to it. And how we can grow from it. Your disability is your opportunity. Thanks for the story, Raf. 
Again, thanks to all you listeners. And if you have a story you want to share on the sharp end, please send me an email at accidents at americanalpineclub.org. This episode is sponsored by Mammut and Vertical Medicine Resources. Until next time, play hard and be smart.